0: Today on CityCast DC. Few people know DC's food scene quite like chef and restaurant tour Katsuya Fukushima. He's led the way on a bunch of local food trends, launched some of the city's most popular restaurants, and one of them, his ramen joint Daikaya, is about to sell its millionth bowl of ramen. Katsuya is here to tell me about that journey and what food trends we should be on the lookout for next. Thursday, October 14th, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. Thank you so much for being here. My first question for you is, how did you get into ramen specifically? Like, why ramen?
1: I got into ramen pretty much by chance. Uh, It wasn't Something I was aiming for, or you know, it wasn't like oh, I want to open up a ramen shop. It just kind of happened that uh, I was looking for a, a job. Ran into a fellow chef, Daisuke Otagawa, who approached me and said, You know, hey, we're opening up a ramen shop. Do you want to join? I said, Yes. <laughs> it's been quite a ride. I mean, 10 years, almost 10 years.
0: So you didn't have any like particular background in ramen, your background was in a different kind of food.
1: Oh, yeah. I went to culinary school at the, in Gaithersburg. Uh, it was uh, L'Academy Cuisine, which is a French school, culinary school. So uh, I was trained French. I worked for Jeffrey Boubin, got out of uh, my internship that was, I guess, American Southern. worked for Anne Cashin, which was American Southern. And then I ended up knocking on the doors of Haleo and got a job with Jose. And I've been doing Spanish food for a long time. Then uh, we opened 18 so I researched uh, Turkish and Greek. We did OAML, so I researched Mexican, and it was Japanese was far from what I was thought I would ever do, and which is funny because I'm Japanese and Hawaiian. So, but uh, I never thought about doing Japanese food, and uh, here I am. I'm doing Japanese food.
0: So I've lived in DC for oh God a really long time, and I feel that when I first got here. The common understanding was that you needed to leave D.C. to get good Asian food. And I feel like that's kind of changing. Um, I'm wondering, like, what kind of changes have you seen in the D.C. food space since you've been here?
1: You know, what's funny is uh, it's become really a a food mecca, I would think. You know, we're not quite New York, but Chicago, I think, Boston. I mean, you could tell by all these celebrity chefs wanting to come into our city. You know, it's like, oh, man, come on. You're a big fish and you want to come into our uh, in our pond and, uh, you know, you got like Wolfgang Puck and Nobu and Michael Mina and now we got Guy Fieri coming. Who else is going Gordon Ramsay's coming.
0: Ramsey's
1: coming. So, you know, there's got to be a reason why these celebrity name chefs are coming to our city.
0: Is that the mark of when a city is kind of making it big on the food scene when all these big name global national names come to your city and open up shop?
1: I mean, I think it's part of the reason. I, I mean, it shows something. I mean, why would they want to come here? We had our own celebrity chefs back in the day. We had the Roberto Donas. We had Jean-Louis Paladin. We had Michelle Richard. We had the all-star cast, see stuff, But yeah, I mean, these guys are coming from out of state. And I just to say it's kind of annoying, but, you know, it kind of brings limelight to our city. You know, why else would they want to come here?
0: Yeah, who do you... It's funny, you're listing this list of influential D.C. area chefs. Who do you think is the quintessential D.C. foodie chef person? Like, who's our guy?
1: Our guy? Ooh. I, well, that's easy. That's, that, that's got to be Jose. It's got to be Jose. I mean, he broke out of D.C. I helped him open up in Vegas. I helped him open up in Beverly Hills. Now he's in Chicago. He's in New York. I mean, he Jose's our guy. You know, I've been with him when it was only Haleo and... Cafe Atlantico, two restaurants, and now he's booming in the city, he's booming out of the state, he's doing all this humanitarian work, which is incredible. He's never tiring. It's uh, it's amazing. He never gets tired. It's amazing.
0: God, I once saw this interview with him on the show Desis and Marrow. I can only beat myself. Mm-hmm. That's how good I am. Where he described yeah, how he makes a fried egg better be than me. anyone else on the face of the <laughs> planet. Fried eggs. Fried eggs? Fried eggs. Again, the simplicity of cracking the egg in the oil at the right temperature with the right quantity and letting the egg white, heat in the hot oil and all the egg white elevating itself because the water is evaporating and began covering like it was a volcano of egg white and covering the egg yolk. Oh, and it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and like a beautiful, uh, I would say, coat of egg white around the egg yolk. The shallow fried oh, egg, the egg, right? Yes, that's it.
1: No- oh man, we used to have that on brunch. It was a uh, shallow fried egg, and sometimes we put just caviar on it, dollops of caviar on it. It was just uh, the perfect fried egg with caviar. I mean, what else do you need? Yum. But, uh, <laughs> I could beat him on the fried egg, though. I challenged Jose on a fried egg challenge. <laughs>
0: don't don't <laughs> let him hear this.
1: We'll, we'll we'll we'll
0: we'll sponsor a fried egg cook-off, and I'm happy to be the judge.
1: <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs>
0: What are some of the, like, trends that you've sort of been at the forefront on in terms of food in D.C.? There's so many different things that come and go that pop off. What are some of the trends that you've seen or started or been part of in D.C.?
1: Oh, man. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything. But, you know, when I started working, you know, I just wanted to learn as much as possible. I started this uh, career really late. So I always felt like I was behind. So I, I was working, like, 13 shifts a week for two years at one point. Eventually, I got a job with Jose, and he's like, You need to stop working all these other restaurants. You need to just come and be with me. So I did that. And he always gave me projects. And then at that time, there's this restaurant in Spain that was really the forefront of like culinary ingenuity, discoveries. It was like the place that was making things cutting edge. And it was a restaurant called El Bui in Costa Brava, probably like two hours from Barcelona. And, you know, they're a number one restaurant in the world for many years. And I got a chance to work there. And the chef there, his name was, uh, it was Ferran Adria. And he was always just like, yeah, there's rules on why we do things, but ask questions. Like, why? Why do we do this? Why?' And then it he kind of opens up new doors to see how we could change things or make it better or improve on or... Make it different, but the same. So, you know, he taught us, me and Jose, how to just ask questions, challenge things. So I wasn't always like trying to make up new trends or, you know, be there in the front end of um, things, but it was just uh, molecular gastronomy at the time was hot. Uh, it was different, it was new. A lot of chefs hated it. Uh, I mean, when I opened Mini Bar with Jose and Cafe Atlantic, it was $65 a person. And it was empty. We used to have to invite our friends. We had to invite our chefs or our cooks just to sit there so we could just practice, you know. And we we're like, "Oh man, we're, maybe we just people just don't get it." And sometimes when you're ahead too far on the trends, or it might be too early, you know. But we just kind of follow what's happening. Just like when new uh, technology or new discoveries happen, it happens for a reason. So it's just knowing what people want where things are going, and just trying to be good at what you do.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good segue into talking about Takaya, which is a restaurant that I love. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I might need to get ramen for dinner. <laughs> but w- what sets it apart? Because I do feel like it really is special, and there's lots of ramen places in D.C. now, but there's something special about this place.
1: Well, is for me, is very special because, you know, I left the whole kind of fine dining, and uh, I went from mini bar to ramen bar. And, uh, you know, I still had that mentality that you can't cut corners, you can't go to cheaper ingredients just because. So that mentality carried over to opening up a daikaya. I think we got some of the best noodles out there. And the broth is amazing. We ship in uh, these uh, bones from Kurabuta pork. These pigs are these small, black, short-haired pigs. That itself is special. That bone, it's a sweet. Tasting pork. It's just not cutting corners, just good ingredients, following tradition. So that's what makes daikai special because it's when I have people that come from Sapporo and eat my ramen, they say, Oh, this is just like home. I was like, That is like the best compliment ever.
0: I mean, people seem to agree. Y'all are about to sell your millionth bowl this month. And I know that in celebration, you're doing the one million bowl sweepstakes where you're going to be picking somebody at random to send to Saboro, Japan. How did this come to be as a way that you're celebrating this milestone?
1: You know, it's funny because uh, we were talking, me and my partners were talking, and we kind of was just joking about how, you know, how McDonald's has that millionth or one billionth or whatever, that you know, burgers sold or served or something and we're like, oh, you know, that guy's coming up. We need to check on the the numbers. And we're like, holy moly, we're up there. You know, in 10 years, we're about to hit a million. It's a big feat. And I, you know, I'm very, very proud to be still around and knowing that we're going to be serving our millionth bowl. That's, to me, that's a huge accomplishment. And so, We're like, you know, we we can't just, oh, yeah, you know, shake each other, give us five high fives. We need to celebrate this and let DC know that we've been around. We brought ramen to the city, the classic, traditional ramen. And, uh, you know, we're going to hit a million. That's huge.
0: It is huge. I'm so glad that you guys are doing something so special to celebrate because it is really big.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. So it's going to be... we were keeping it a surprise and we have been holding it, but now it's going to come out that, uh, you know, you go to our website or you go to the restaurant, to our, any of our restaurants, and they'll give you a link to go in and fill out a form and get into the sweepstakes. And it's going to be a trip to Japan and visit our ramen factory and, uh, you know, see how our noodles are made. And, and my ramen master will be there, hopefully, and he'll take the winner out to lunch and see firsthand how special support ramen is.
0: Mm, that's wonderful. So I know <laughs> that your work has really helped put DC's food scene on the map. What do you think is the next big thing in the DC food scene looking ahead?
1: I think the next big thing in DC, well, not just DC, but everywhere, is taking ethnic food and elevating it. Not that it needed it, but I feel like, you know, fine dining is something, uh, you know, you need to find dining just for these special occasions. And to see these food that, you know, like Korean food, Indian food, and seen on beautiful plates and beautiful plate ups, it's just an exciting trend that's happening that's, uh, uh, I think, here to stay. You know, when I was going into this field, I always thought I was gonna do uh, either French food or European, you know, I never thought I was doing Japanese. Uh, and now you, you can see how Tom and you know, these young chefs, Uh, Rooster and Owl, they're doing their food and making it beautiful and elevated. Yeah, I think that's a big and exciting trend.
0: Beautiful. Well, I can't wait to eat more of it. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I can talk about food all day.
0: And before you go, some quick news. First, Chris Geldhart is out as D.C.'s deputy mayor of public safety, He had been charged with assault and battery after an altercation outside of a gym on October 1st. That brought on scrutiny about whether he even lives in the city, which is a requirement for high-level D.C. officials. Meanwhile, all five commissioners of Montgomery County's planning board have resigned. The Montgomery County Council asked them to after a series of misconduct investigations, morale issues, and media leaks. The council is scheduled to select new temporary planning board commissioners on October 25th, And if you're a Montgomery County resident who thinks you're up to the job, you can apply by October 18th. And lastly, there's an exciting new exhibit at the DC History Center in honor of National Hispanic Heritage Month and National Coming Out Day. The collection celebrates the Latino, lesbian, and gay rights movement. It includes documents from former NLACE President Leticia Gomez, the leader of the first Latino, lesbian, and gay group in DC. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. We've linked to the Daikaya Sweepstakes form in our show notes, so definitely check it out if you like ramen. And while you're there, click through to subscribe to our morning newsletter. Our editor, Kayla, is always sharing events and competitions like this, and you can get first dibs. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. Do you have any questions before I get started? Uh,
1: I don't. Think so. Uh, just don't make questions so hard. <laughs>